White House Plumbers is a new political comedy on HBO Max starring Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux as Howard Hunt and Gordon Liddy, the two men who organized and directed the burglary of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in the Watergate building in the summer of 1972. In this podcast, we like to discuss the most recent installment of a different series every show. The Beverly Hills Burglary is the title of the pilot we're reviewing. It's May 7th, and you're listening to today's episode. True or false, since last month, April 2023, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson realized they could potentially be half-brothers. There has been so yeah. much talk about no, that's this, true. the two are even considering a DNA test. Okay, so you did hear about that. The second one, The Mosquito Coast, Justin Thoreau's show was based on the novel by his uncle, Paul Thoreau. Um, that actually sounds like I kind of remember that being maybe true. Yes? Yes, it is true. It was one of the first facts that we mentioned when we did our review for that. The third one, although originally intended as a limited series, Dom Hall Gleason and Steve Carell are returning for season two of The Patient, although the film schedule hasn't been announced. Um, I don't know if that's false. That is false. Limited series. I came in here ready. And then the fourth one, Lena Headey was as of 2017. I've always the, pronounced it Headey, but then I looked it up for this podcast. It and is Headey, right? Head. Head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As of 2017, was one of the highest paid actors on American television. 1.1 million per episode of Game of Thrones going into season seven and eight. Yeah, right? Yes. yes. That is true. And then the last one, Greer, Judy Greer, was a professional yes. ballet dancer before pursuing acting. Both of these are the wives in this show, and that's why you're mentioning them. Uh, she was a career dancer, is that what you said? Yeah, a ballet dancer. True. True? False. You almost had almost all had of it. them. She was uh, She was a waiter, and actually Waitress? she waited. Yeah, she waited on Michael Jordan and stole his wine glass. Michael Jordan or Michael B. Jordan? Michael Michael That's Jordan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, so they do a fine job, but they're not really the center of the show, mm-hmm. at least not yet. I do see in the like the teaser for the rest of the season that they probably take a bigger role. They're introduced, um, but both of them kind of are playing the traditional housewife. But uh, was, yeah, is that all you got? Yeah, I mean that was all. But but is this a comedy? Is this a drama? I really couldn't tell because White House Plumbers. It sounds like a comedy, and then I was like, oh no, oh, this actually deals with no, history. no, it's a comedy. It's okay. like a Dumb and Dumber type comedy, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's based on actual people. Okay, so yeah, you remember a year ago in April, we discussed a miniseries on stars called Gaslit, right? Yep. This is the second time in a few weeks that we've done two shows following the same event um, on two competing streamers uh, within <laughs> a close time period together. You're talking about... With, with big names attached. You're talking about Love and Death and then Fatal Attraction, right? Yes. Okay. No, wait, what? No, Fatal Attraction, Love and Death and T- Candy from um, Jessica Beale's show. Literally thought, okay. the same event is what I'm saying. This yeah. follows Watergate. That followed Watergate. They have the same characters, except this doesn't have John Mitchell in it. I went back and listened to our uh, Gaslit podcast to make sure, <laughs> to just give myself a little refresher. At the time, I mentioned how I had read Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein's All the President's Men a really long time ago. Didn't remember a ton, but I remembered how complex when you looked at everything, like Watergate as a whole is kind of simple, but like all the moving parts and all the people and how incompetent a lot of them were and like the research behind it, there was just so much going on. I actually docked the show a little bit because I was like, they're trying to simplify it. But if they were trying to simplify it, this show is trying to dumb it down to a degree. (laughs) I related it to Watergate for dummies. Like if they decided to adapt 
the book of for dummies, Watergate for dummies, into a TV program. The the truth is though that this is a comedy, like you were talking about, and so I can judge it off that. So I'm actually going to be lighter on the fact that it doesn't follow the same narrative. It's not exactly a docudrama for that reason. Interesting. I mean, they still definitely do try and be like historically accurate. Yeah, and that's what we're going to start with is the history. So in 1971, there was this nonpartisan analyst. His name was Daniel Ellsberg, and he released slash leaked the Pentagon Papers to the New York Times that showed the previous White House administrations had systematically lied not only to the public, but also to Congress about the war in Vietnam. This outraged many, turned the public against the government's use of discretion, but what it also did was it brought forth a paranoia in Nixon, who had just installed a taping system in his office. So he was already paranoid, but this just (laughs) amped it up. He was afraid that that taping system would be uh, leaked itself later on, and it was. So, I mean, in a way, he was he was right to be paranoid, but he didn't take it out. <laughs> he kept it in there. Um, and so he launched a punitive attack on both the press for its coverage of the leak and also Ellsberg himself. Enter Howard Hunt, ex-CIA, a.k.a. Woody Harrelson, and Gordon Liddy, ex-FBI, a.k.a. Justin Thoreau. Uh, they're two White House undercover operatives, mm-hmm. and they have been tasked under the table with the duty of destroying Ellsberg's credibility so as to discourage people from leaking information, hence White House plumbers, because they fix leaks. Right, yeah, right? exactly. Okay, and so the name of the episode is The Beverly Hills Burglary, or if you look that up into Google, you immediately get the bling ring, which yeah. I like. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, and so the plan, though, here is that they want to get their hands on Ellsberg's therapist's file and release it to the world to prove that he's actually a communist. Yeah, that was such an insane thing. That it seems I like something believe. that would have happened 20 years even before that when McCarthyism was such a big deal. Like these people are so stuck in the past. That's kind of how the, the jokes work is that they just can't get out of the mindset of like, you have to be loyal to whatever uh, president is in order and everything else is wrong. So we'll do anything on behalf of the president. And Nixon, obviously, previously Watergate was pretty popular. I mean, he won in a landslide, I think, in sure. that election. Sure, sure, sure. So, yes, yeah. he was popular. And he'd been running for president for years before that, right? Like he, he faced off against Kennedy yeah. before that. Um, Yeah, so the FBI once Howard Hunt and Gordon Liddy go up to them, says, no, we're not going to break into this shrink's office. And so they say, well, why don't we? So they <laughs> just that simple. They take a limited budget that they get from this guy named Bud, and they jump on a plane to Hollywood with bad wigs, fake names, mustaches, terrible tourist cover stories, which they try to confirm by borrowing a CIA camera and posing for pictures in front of like different landmarks, but also in like parking garages, <laughs> just to show that they're real tourists. And then when they finally get to the therapist's office, they convince the lady janitor that's there to let them into Dr. Fielding's room where his file cabinet is locked. So they end up taking pictures and leave. They just take pictures of the room. They just take pictures of it? Yes, because what they're planning here is to then do a heist later on where um, Howard reaches out to a bunch of Cuban friends that he has from his days at the CIA. Um, They're Bay of Pigs people. And so uh, he stages a nighttime operation to crack open the filing cabinet, take pics of the documents, and then leave unnoticed. Speaking of the Bay of Pigs, though, I I, want to mention that. Do they go into, like, Hunt's past with that at all? Like, Because from what I read, at least, the show was saying that he apparently was hurt by that, like his working status was. Yeah, they kind of talked about Hunt's and Liddy's background in their work and their careers with the CIA. 
CIA and FBI by going through their family lives and showing how like upset he was with just like his career obviously had taken a little bit of a dive and this is supposed to be his chance to prove himself again. And so he's feeling really excited that the, if this is accomplished well, then he's going to rise up the ranks of the White House and be Nixon's right hand man or something. I, I was I was just going to bring up very fast that apparently the Bay of Pigs did not impact his working status. That he was just was. That, yeah, it, it really yeah. didn't like hurt or help him, I think. I mean, so. both these guys seem like jokesters. At one point, they even mentioned like, if we do this wrong, we're going to come across as buffoons. And I was like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the plan again is to kind of now you see me style from the movie where they are able to also with woody harrelson yes i know that's why i'm making the comparison but like where they go in and they're able to do like these crazy uh magic stuff to like steal documents and stuff and then leave without anybody noticing that's kind of what they're trying to do and so they have the cuban guys there and they are just as brash and uh they make the mission way more complicated they also have bad walkie-talkies because of the limited budget and they're following dr fielding for no reason just to find that at the time that they are supposed to get in there without having to break in, that the doors are locked. And so they still have to break into a window. And then after that, they have to smash into the cabinet. And then the Cuban people take the kind of mission on their own and they start throwing pills around because they want to make it seem <laughs> as if like a junkie broke in. But why would a junkie bring pills with them into a place that they're breaking and then just leave them? Um Anyways, it actually works to a certain degree. Wait, that works? The, well, the story originally breaks that there it was a junkie break-in. However, the file's not there. Ellsberg's file isn't there, so there's no reason for the mission to ever have existed. They get out of there, and uh, when they get back to Washington, they're fired, but immediately rehired by John Dean, who puts them in charge of the committee to re-elect the president, a.k.a. Watergate. Is, like, that, is that the end of the episode? Yes, that's basically... But I didn't mention anything really about the family. So the, the other part of the well, show... Well, before you get is, to the family, yeah. I did I did want to mention just really fast that apparently they did find Ellsberg's file mm -hmm. in his place. They just find it... They just, you mean in Dr. Fielding's office? Yeah, they found it not enlightening enough to actually take it. And apparently all the stuff with like the drugs and the pills and them throwing it around, that was all fake as well. That actually Wait, didn't happen. Yeah. I thought that did happen. No, the pills being tossed and everywhere. Like, Ellsberg did not mention the room being trashed or pills when he went back in there. And he was uh, interviewed about this later on. That sounds strange because they do show the article in the newspaper in the episode. But also, uh, it would have been just as effective for them to find a file there that just showed that the guy was on the up and up and that there were no, like, glaring problems with his life. That would have led him because then maybe they would have had like a, a like that realization just sink into them and then they would have felt bad about what happened. No, instead, they just get fired. They get assigned to uh, president's campaign and then they decide to plan Watergate. But we don't see that next part. We only see the uh, part where their friendship is kind of growing together. So we get these scenes with them and their family. We even get a scene where they their wives it, where it's a double date and they go mm -hmm. over to Gordon Liddy's house. And this is probably the funniest part of the episode because Gordon Liddy, his wallpaper, his shirt, his curtains, the, the set design had made it so that they're all plaid or checkered. And he's obsessed with Germany. We see that because he asked for German beer. Um, he loves the culture. But at the dinner party, he goes ahead and he sticks on a record in the middle of them having a conversation. And uh, I think Lena Hetty's he character has the best line here, Dorothy, when she's like, is that Hitler? Because it's just, it's so loud. He like amps up the volume. And obviously, I don't know how this worked in real life, but it was hilarious in that moment because you just have this guy speaking <laughs> German, yelling it across the room, Hitler. And uh, 
and these people trying to have a conversation. I don't, I don't know about the dinner date, but it is true. Gordon Liddy, he idolized Hitler. Yeah, so, yeah. he's kind of like the Republican mega donor Harlan Crow, you know, the guy who's been given Clarence Thomas a bunch of stuff and also just has like some sort of fascination with uh, with Nazis and stuff. But he does say, Gordon Liddy does say when he's confronted with this later on by Howard Hunt, because Howard Hunt's wife is obviously like, why are you friends with this dude? Stop being friends with this dude. And he's like, what is the deal with the Hitler stuff? And, and Gordon Liddy's like, well, I'm not a Nazi, I swear swear to you i'm not and uh I, I i don't know but the funny thing is that they mentioned something about gordon lee this is where i'll get to the similarities between this show and gaslit first of all big names in gaslit were julia roberts sean penn dan stevens hamish Linklater, uh betty gilpin in white house plumbers you got woody harrelson justin throw lena hetty Domhnall gleason uh judy greer uh, i think kim coates is supposed kim to coates, be in this yeah. but we don't see him to toby huss also and gary cole not in this episode it, uh, it's a major departure from for seeing Justin Thoreau, his last two TV projects, as you said, Mosquito Coast, but also uh, The Leftovers. Both of those are dramas with a capital D. This is so like so far different than what he's been doing recently that it was fun to see that. Lena Headey also, no, nothing like Cersei. <laughs> so um, yeah, but Gordon Liddy is very similar in this show as he was the last one. In fact, the story of him holding his hand over a flame that's how they started Gaslit. Yeah. That's right. how, yeah. So they only mention it here. So it's funny how in the comedy series, that's where they deci decide to only talk about something that sounds kind of ridiculous. The candle but trick. But it's not a trick. <laughs> it's just him getting third degree burns, <laughs> as they put it. Um, but in, in, yeah, in the original uh, Gaslit program, that's how they start the episode. And his scene also later on when he's describing how to uh, really hurt the Democrats and he goes through all the operations in Gaslit was my favorite part of that show. Well, in this show, he was probably the funniest comic relief character as well. Relationships are at the center of both shows, except between John Mitchell and Martha Mitchell and jo John Dean and Mo Dean. You have Howard Hunt and his wife and uh, Gordon Liddy and his wife. They both precede the Watergate scandal because it's the first episode. Um, this one starts a tad earlier. I even mentioned the Pentagon Papers in Gaslit. How could you not? But this one actually kind of like talks about it a little bit mm -hmm. more. Um, it's memorable. I would say the show as a whole educationally because of how stupid it was. <laughs> Woody Harrelson's performance is supposed to be bad, but it's cartoonish and to the point where I was like, this this isn't great for the show, but it does help me remember it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to forget these events in a year, uh, but like with Gaslit, where I had to go back and listen to it, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to remember these ones. In an odd way, it's very much unlike what they did with the Candy Montgomery 2 series, because those shows kind of conflicted because they were the same characters at the exact same time. This has enough where it's like, they're somewhat of the same characters like there is a Gordon Liddy and a Howard Hunt but they're not the main characters in Gaslit that was John Dean's right. show and so with Dan Stevens playing that character he was the center of it and then you had John Mitchell and stuff and since that's not really the story we're tr tracing but at the same time we're still talking about Watergate they almost work like complementary series to one another where you could bo watch both of them and get sort of a glimpse of two different worlds kind of collapsing into one another it doesn't work with like the same type of story with these two shows but i remember the offer and godfather of harlem both had joe colombo in it and basically they were playing the exact same characters yeah both but they were both different actors yeah and so i can kind of see what you're talking about one working well with the other one it's not even because they have like it would almost be better if the gaslit show didn't have a gordon liddy and howard hunt and you were just seeing two parallel sides and the only <laughs> connecting factor was john dean because 
John Dean in this episode takes over for Bud when he fires them and then rehires them. And we only really see his character kind of playing uh, uh, this guy who doesn't really care and just gives away the money. But Dan Stevens' performance was all about how he was at the same time had sort of a heart of gold, like he was trying to be do the right thing. But at the same time, he wanted to work for the Nixon administration <laughs> and he wanted to date this uh, very socialist uh, lady at the same time. So you get like a lot more depth depending on which character or which uh, show you're watching them in. Also, I think it helps that one is so much of a comedy. 100% this is comical and Gaslit was mostly a drama. Um, but for my cons, I would say the acting is way too cartoonish. Um, it does feel like a workplace comedy at some points. Uh, they simplified the narrative again. You do have a famous cast, but it, like I said in Gaslit, it's not that riveting because if you know the story of Watergate, then you kind of understand it. You don't really need this. It's an hour long. That's weird for a comedy, not like a television hour, which is 40 minutes plus commercials. This is like a full, full 50 hour. some minutes and it's it, some jokes work. But a lot of them are just like, man, I wish the show would end sooner. And uh, overall, I would say that I would give it a five, which which isn't like a terrible, terrible review. It's more like it's in the middle of all shows. You know what you're saying? I mean, I, I, I'm sure for the story it works and everything, but it's supposed to be five episodes. Had they perhaps, and I'm not sure how long the other ones are supposed to be, but had they perhaps cut it in half, found a breaking point, they could have made it this like a 10 episode series and kind of made it around the 30 minute mark that I think you're talking about. Sure. Um, I know that the people that worked on this, the writers, Alex Gregory, Peter Hook, I think that they wrote the whole entire show. They worked on Veep as well as David Mandel. He directed all five episodes of the series. He was a writer for SNL, a writer and producer for Seinfeld, even works on The Clerks, the animated series, but he also worked on Veep. Yeah. So I think that that's really their claim to fame. It makes sense that Veep is so, because Veep had characters or things happening in politics where you were just like, that could not possibly be the way that people are represented. And obviously, they'd be exaggerated versions but the thing about Woody Harrelson's performance as Howard Hunt is that it's very hard for you to ever side with him like the way he's introduced with his family it's like he's just like not even really respected by his kids um there there's like a tad there's like a moment near the end where I guess he he comes across more likable when he realizes that his own uh Cuban uh, friends have kind of screwed up the mission and he's like guys what are you doing like or when he's confronting the guy about being a Nazi like you can see moments where he's being more human but like his bravado for most of the episode about we're not going to get caught and that leads me to the very very ending of the episode where the CIA gets that camera that they loaned out back yeah and they didn't take the footage out and so they have all the pictures of these guys <laughs> posing as fake tourists and then also the documents that they had taken out of the office yeah. in the office. So basically just giving them proof that they had done something illegal. I was very surprised to see how many places they shot at because they shot in D.C., Puffkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. Uh, yeah, Poughkeepsie and the Virgin Islands in California. Uh, Poughkeepsie was where G. Gordon Liddy was a Dutchess County prosecutor. So that's one of the reasons why they were like wanting to shoot there. Well, they don't go that far back, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was also based on the 2007 book Integrity by 
by Eagle and Matthew Crow, and I was wondering if you were going to say, if you saw that in the credits or not. No. Um. We, so the first scene of the show, what is that? Because, well, from what I understand, oh, the first scene is a flash forward to Watergate itself and how it take it took them like six or seven times breaking in before they were actually successful. And I know it happened during the summer of like 1972, right? Yeah. Um. And so they tried from May, I think, to June, and I think they got in there once or twice but every time they would try to go back it would be like that they couldn't get into the door or something they'd have the wrong lock picking set I think so they, they said in the show yeah. that it was four attempts which is true but the first attempt was without the right tools and the second was because they didn't know where larry o'brien's office was located yeah like this really just does seem like the most like they unprofessional think that thing. they're really really good at this that's the they have this confidence behind them but in fact they are just i, I think i said it in the gaslit podcast it was with gordon lydia I was like, he's either an eccentric or a genius, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't saying that. I think the show said that and I was just reiterating it. It's clearly that they're eccentric almost to a get smart level. Um, But that's why they ended up going to jail. Like, that's no surprise to anybody. Right. Like, they went to jail because they committed a crime and they were pretty stupid about it. Maybe had they been more on top of it and the White House had employed people who who could actually get a job done, maybe we never would have heard about it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, like, this would have been a more nefarious thing where they would have done more damage, you know? Um, but th- these guys, even if they're successful in what they're trying to do, it feels like they wouldn't be able to accomplish much. You said you give it a five. The show has a 6.8 on IMDb, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, 60% audience score. Yeah, again, my five isn't supposed to say don't like it's terrible or don't watch it if you've got an interest in this history. It just means that it's kind of base level for me. I know There's, that like Los Angeles Times was saying that White House, uh, White House Plumber suffers from a kind of tonal confusion, hmm. but then you had NPR saying parts of White House, House Plumbers are laugh out loud hilarious. Yeah, well, it just differs from whether it wants to be a small time comedy with like muffled jokes or if it wants to just be completely laugh out loud like you're saying Mm. yeah but other than that uh, anything else you want to add no that's about it alright well thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode hope you enjoyed this one bye bye